So my name is Cami. I'm not the pastor. I'm one of the preaching team. And last week, I took up the tithe. I gave kind of like what John just did, the little tithe message. And so I gave the tithe message. And this week, I feel like the Lord wants me to repeat that because there's a lot of people here that weren't here last week. We also don't put the tithe message on the podcast or on the YouTube. So I felt like the Lord wanted to expand and expound upon that to encourage and inspire you. A little bit of alliteration there just for fun. And so today we're going to talk about a sacrifice of praise. Now, it's easy to praise God when everything's going well. When the bank account's way in the black, the kids are, are being nice, they're using their napkin, they're, they're, they're saying hello, they're not ignoring you. You know, it's easy whenever you get the, the medical report back that everything is good and everybody's healthy. It's, it's easy to praise God in those times. But a sacrifice of praise comes when the medical report isn't good, when the spouse walked out, when the, the bank account is in the red and you don't know how you're going to feed your family for the rest of the week. The unexpected bill comes. The friendship has been broken up. In the, in the times when it seems like everything in the world that could come against you has come against you. You got your pink slip at work. Somebody else got the promotion that you were expecting. The bonus was only a third of what you thought it was going to be, and you already put a down payment on the pool. You know what I'm saying? Like When, when things are, are not what we expect, and yet we can kind of, I feel like this morning we're going to put a stake in the ground that says, come what may, God doesn't change based on my circumstances. I, I can't limit him to my experience. I'm only going to praise him when it's good. I'm only going to praise him when I feel like it. I'm only going to praise him when I feel good or when things are happening or, or when the good things and the blessings are flowing. See, we got to put a stake in the ground that says, I praise him because of who he is, not because of what I've got. I praise him because of who he is and what he's done, not based on what's happening now. And see, that's when it's a sacrifice, when that doctor's note comes in that says, you know, it's not good. And I can still turn my affection and say, it, it doesn't matter. You are still the healer. And I praise you because you heal. I praise you because you took the stripes on your back. I praise you because you took three nails and a cross and you are the victor. No matter what I'm seeing in my life, I'm still going to praise you for who you are. That is a sacrifice that we are able to bring to him. Now see, God always was and always will be. He's eternal. Nobody created him. He's the creator. But somehow... In this little bitty blip of a life that we have, even if we live to be 120 years, when you're talking about all of eternity past and all of eternity future, we only die once. But somehow in this, in this little temporal, little capsule of time that he's given to each of us, he gives us the ability to choose where we will spend eternity and how we will spend eternity with him. In this little bit of time, when we come to him and we say, you are Lord, 
Forgive me of my sins. I place you on the throne of my life. I enter into an intimate relationship with you. It's not about joining a church, although we hope you join. It's not about giving your tithes, although we hope you give your tithes. It's not about doing good deeds versus bad deeds. It's all based on his blood and what he did, and then entering into a relationship with him. It's not just about what we do. It's about who he is and how we interact with him. That In that, it determines whether we spend the rest of eternity in either heaven or or hell. And then beyond that determines how we live in heaven or hell. You know, the Bible says it that for the things that we do here, there are rewards laid up for us in heaven. And so in this little blip of time, he gives us an opportunity. See, only here can we give a sacrifice of praise. Once we're in heaven, it's just praise. <laughs> There is no loss. There is no delay. There's no disappointment. There's no criticism. There's no betrayal. There's, there's no death. Death is gone. Disease is banished. There is no depression. There's no bipolar. There's no mental health issues. In heaven, everything is perfect. And so it's easy to praise him there. And we will behold him fully. See, here we have, to, we have to wonder why. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Where did this come from? Here we don't understand, and yet we trust him. There, we'll fully understand. We'll get it. We'll behold him in all of his glory with those creatures with the heads. You know, one turns its head and it's an eagle. It turns its head and it's a bear. And then it turns its head and it's a man. You know, all those things in Revelations that it talks about with the eyes all on their chest. And it sounds really just, I don't, I don't like holes. You know, like, like, like beehives and wasps nests. It just grosses me out beyond the... Like the, those pictures of the spiders with all the thousands of eyes. But, but, you know, there's, there's, there's things up there that we don't understand. But we're going to behold him in all of his glory. And all we're going to be able to do is bow before him and cry out with the angels and say, holy, holy, holy. But here, we have a choice. Here, we have an opportunity to give him something in our little short time that we have here that we will not be able to give him once we're there. And it's a sacrifice of praise. It's something that cost us. When we prayed for that loved one and they died and we didn't expect it. You know, when we got married and, and they walked out and we didn't expect it, when that child takes off, in a way that we didn't expect when the job didn't happen. And, and yet we can, we can take that hurt and that pain, and we're not denying it. You know, we need to fully process, go through all the grieving, go, go through all the emotional healing, you know, deal with it. I'm not saying that we stuff it and box it and deny it. I'm not saying that. But in spite of our loss, in spite of the delayed dream, in spite of the broken relationship, we can then still say, God, you are, I'm going to praise you because you are still Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides for me. You are still the healer. You still took those stripes on the cross for me. You still provide. You still make a way there, where there seems to be no way. You can make rivers in a desert. You can bring mountains down low and, and valleys up high. You can turn an ocean into a desert and walk a, a million people across it. God, there's nothing that you can't do. And so, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to turn my affections. I'm going to turn my focus. I'm going to turn my praise to you because of who you are despite what my circumstances say that's a sacrifice of praise and we can only do that here 
And so I, I, you know, in a room this size, there are people going through stuff. Or you may have children going through stuff, or sisters, or brothers, or parents, or uncles, or neighbors, or coworkers that are going through stuff, and you feel the pain for them, or you feel your own pain, whatever the case may be. Don't waste your chance. <laughs> Don't waste your chance here. You know, I heard that Sabata said at prayer, don't waste a car ride. <laughs> you know, spend it in prayer, spend it in his presence. Don't waste a car ride. Don't waste an opportunity here. I don't praise him for the disease. I praise him because he's the healer no matter if I do get a disease. I don't praise him for the loss. I praise him because he is, he is the one that gives abundantly, pressed down, shaken together, running over so much though that, that there's enough for me and all of those around me. Because that's who he is. I, I, can't, I can't bring him down and try to fit him into my experience and expect that, that I've experienced everything that he is. Because he's so much more than what we have, have known so far. I mean, the Bible even says that while we're in this life, we look through a veil dimly, sort of feeling about and trying to find our way. But in heaven, we will behold him Face to face. Woo! <laughs> face to face we will behold him. And so we have a chance here, an opportunity where we can slip into self-pity and woe is me. And God, how could you let this happen to me? Why, God, are you doing this to me? God, do you hate me? Why would you do this to me, God? Why would you let this happen to me, God? Or we can slip into a place where it says, though you slay me, yet I will trust you because I know you are good and you have promised that you will work everything out for my good according to your will and your purposes. You said that before the, the world was formed, you had a plan for me and it was for good and not for evil. God, you said that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it even entered into the thoughts of man all of the good things that you have for me. And so even though right now what I see isn't good, God, I know that what I see isn't everything. I don't see it all. I don't see the beginning and the end. I haven't lived all eternity past and all eternity future. God, I've only lived about so many years here. So many years. And so, Lord, I thank you that even though I don't see it, you are still working like we sing. Even though I don't see it, you're still working on my behalf. And I can still trust you because you are still good. Because you sent your son to die on the cross before I was even born. Before even my great, 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 great grandfather was born. You sent him to die on the cross for me. And that's how much you love me. And so I can whew, relax. And not make this crisis of the moment, my focus, I can make you my focus. Now that, honestly, takes a little work. You know, it's, it's like I preached a few weeks ago. It's, it's simple, but it ain't easy. You know, especially if the disease is happening to you. Now, I'm healthy. I don't want anybody to be suspicious of anything. I'm healthy. My life is good. It's all fine. This is just what God has been speaking to me. And I'll honestly, I will confess, this isn't all my revelation. You know, when we read the Bible and like words leap off the page at you and you know that's the Holy Spirit, 
I was listening to a sermon, and it's like the guy leaped off of the, the TV and was in the room, and the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I mean, I have been dreaming this. I have been rolling it over. I've been putting it into practice into my own life. Like, God is speaking this to me, and maybe it's just for me, and you guys are along for the journey, and you can take notes for the next time that a crisis happens to somebody else because all your lives are perfect, but... <laughs> I have to believe it's for everybody because I, I believe even just the worship this morning, do you realize how many times we said the word praise and how his presence came in? Because, see, the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That word inhabits means to sit in, to be enthroned on, to dwell in. He inhabits the praises of his people. When we, despite, in spite of whatever is going on in our life or those around us, when we turn our affections, our intentions, our motives, our attention, our hearts, our souls, our minds towards him and begin to praise him for who he is, he then comes and he begins to dwell. And wherever he is, the Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And sometimes we just need a freedom from the stress of the crisis. We need a freedom from the stress of, of whatever circumstance or whatever situation is, is going on. We need freedom from, from the worry and just the intensity of it. And we need to be able to take in the joy of the Lord, which is his presence. See, the Bible talks about in Isaiah, it's talking about Jerusalem, Zion, the new, the new Jerusalem that's coming and it says, the walls shall be called salvation, and the gates you shall call praise. Now, I've been to Jerusalem. We went last December. And, you know, gates are places of transition. I said this last week, but I'm going to repeat it. Gates are a place of transition. You know, you're, you're outside your yard. You go through your little wood gate. You're inside your yard. It's a place of transition. But in these cities of old, Gates were huge because walls were, people lived in them. I'm not talking about 5,300 square foot McMansions, but they had three and four room homes inside of these walls. These walls were, I don't know, 10, 20 feet thick. How, how thick were they, guys? Like thick, right? Like thick. And so it's not just like a little gate. And the gates of the city is where the king would come and pronounce judgment. It's where the elders would sit and mediate arguments. It's where the prophets would gather and cry out the word of the Lord. It's where the, the poor and the beggars would come for provision. The gates were a gathering place. They were a place of, of business. They were a place of interaction. They were a place of civil and cultural interaction. And that's where God wants to dwell. He wants to dwell in all of our business. <laughs> he wants to proclaim some things. He wants to proclaim some judgments, and I don't mean judgments against us, okay? I'm talking about judgments against the demonic things because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of the air where he wants to proclaim us innocent, where the accuser tries to come and accuse us, okay? He wants to mediate some things in our lives. He wants to provide some things where we've been poor. See, he wants to come and dwell in these gates of praise that we are able to give him as a sacrifice to then take care of business within our lives. 
In Revelations 21, it's talking about the new Zion that's coming down. It's this cube city. It's like, I don't know, 1,200 cubits by 1,200 cubits by 1,200 cubits. I mean, it's a cube. And it has 12 foundations that are all these sapphires and agate and hyacinth and something, something. I don't know. It's all these jewels. Like, it's a city that's just built on jewel after jewel after jewel after jewel. It's crazy. And then it has 12 gates. Each gate is made of a single pearl. Pearls are made by oysters when irritation, sand, rock, dirt, other shells, something gets in the middle of them. They begin to encapsulate that thing with a hard substance. I don't know what pearl's made of pearl. I don't know what it's made of. Pearl. But it begins to encapsulate it to protect the oyster. Of course, then we come along and crack it open and take the pearl, but, you know, poor thing. But the point is, pearly gates are born out of irritation. It's out of these times of loss, criticism, betrayal, disappointment, delay. It's out of these times of, of unexpected bills and unexpected uh, missed opportunities at work or, or whatever. It's out of these places of irritation when we can begin to praise him that we create this precious pearl that can then become a gate where he can then come and dwell and take care of business within our lives. Because in, in Hebrews 13, where it says, Hebrews 13, 11, it says, The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also spilled, I'm adding a piece here, he spilled his blood inside the city when he took the beating. But then his body was crucified outside the city. And so it says here that he was crucified. He suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And step two... And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. What a thumb in the eye of the devil when he does his worst. The relationship is broken. The kid goes off path. The job doesn't come through. The medical report comes in. He does his worst. First thing you do, you put a stake in the ground. You say, I'm going to praise you anyway, God. I'm going to worship you anyway. You're still good. You're still working. I'm not done yet. This isn't over. I believe you. I trust you. I'm going to worship you. And then we give him the second kick and we walk out and we do something good for someone else. Talk about a counter culture. 
That's what we need today. This, this world that we're living in, we need a counterculture because in this world, if anything goes wrong with you, by God, if you're offended just a little bit, you need like six weeks of counseling and, and, and you need a whole lot of like self-care. And I'm not against self-care. I love my bathtub. I love my candles. I love my fizzy bubble stuff that I put in there. But, but the whole world then wants to become about their issue and their problem. And, and, and we need to all get together into a group. And I say it every time, but let's all talk about me and, and what I think about me and about my pain and, and what do you think about me thinking about my pain and then we're going to call that group therapy and what if we could actually without denying the pain of without denying the issue without denying the problem put it in its proper place below Jesus not above him because he's willing and able to do anything and everything. All things are possible with him. There is nothing impossible with God. And so what if we put it into its proper place and we still got on with spreading the gospel? We got on with the business of spreading the gospel. What if we could turn a counterculture? And I'm not just going to focus on me and my problem and my issue and my pain and my loss and my disappointment and the criticism that's coming at me. I'm not just going to focus on me. I'm going to get out there and focus on Jesus. And what Jesus is focused on is other people. The lost. Ooh. Ouch. But in that process of doing that, guess what happens? His presence comes because he dwells in my praise. And it creates this, this gate of pearl where he can come and then take care of my business. I can't remember who it was. I remember who received the word. I can't remember who gave the word, but I heard a prophetic word given to a person once. Is that vague enough? I heard a prophetic word given to a person once that said, you take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. Because they were just, at the time, this person was just consumed with, with what was going on in their life. And it's, it's easy to, when it hurts, when things hurt, I've, I've had bouts of sciatica, okay? Now, I realize if you're 20, you, you probably think I'm old. And I'm not. And I dare you to say it to my face. I'll bless you with some five-fold ministry. But I'm just saying, like, I've, I've had some bouts with sciatica. And when that thing is burning down your leg and goes all the way down and wraps around your big toe, and, I mean, you try to go to sleep, and there it is. And you wake up in the morning, and there it is. You get out of the shower. You try to work. You try to exercise. You think, oh, I'll just stretch, and I can get this thing to release. No, there it is. You go to the chiropractor. You take Tylenol. You take ibuprofen. You take turmeric. You, heat, you put heat on it. You put ice on it. You rub icy hot on it. You do everything you know how to do, and yet there it is. See, when, when that thing is just raging inside of you, I am not saying any of this is easy. I am saying it's productive. I'm saying it's worth it. I'm saying that it's the key, the tool, the way out of it is what I'm saying. And so we can't be fair weather Christians. 
and just praise him when it's good. But that means that when it's good, we need to somehow settle the issue now so that when the other stuff comes, I'm not trying to speak curses on anybody, but Jesus kind of promised that there would be trials and tribulations and persecution that would come our way. And so, I mean, you may think that you're going to live this lollipop life and you're never going to have any issues. And, and again, I'm not trying to speak anything over anybody, but it's just what the Bible says. That it's going to come. You know, you're going to get on that boat and there's going to come a storm. It's just, it's just life. We live in a fallen world with a very fallen, crazy, insane culture. And that that's just, it's just what it is. But it means that when we're in our good times, we need to just like put this stake in the ground and say, I am not. I am not giving up. I am not letting go. I am not backing off. I'm not stepping back. God, we are moving forward, Jesus, and I will praise you. It means that if you're in a crisis right now, and maybe you, you know, your focus has been a little centric, crisis-centric, maybe it's been a little whirlwind all around your problem, maybe today, it's never too late, maybe today you can kind of redirect your sails on your boat to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and start giving him praise and start giving him worship and start getting your, yourself sort of set in the right direction. Did you know that in sailing, I don't, I don't do boats. I don't even pretend to do boats. I don't, my husband is a fisherman. They went fishing yesterday. They caught all this fish. All I know is the smell when they came home off of the boat for 12 hours out in the Gulf, and then they, there was just stuff all over the kitchen. I, you know, they were actually pretty clean, but still, I, I just stood there quietly, smiling, waiting until they were done, and then I recleaned everything. You know, that's just kind of how it is. You know how we ladies are about our kitchens. Like we, you know, I still found a few scales, but we got through it, and now we have a whole bunch of good fish in the freezer. But evidently, I've heard, never experienced, that when you're sailing with a sailboat with the, the sails up, that you can actually turn the sails in such a thing as to go against the wind. Now, that sounds counterintuitive to me. But when the winds of life come and they are bringing all sorts of nonsense and chaos and pain and hurt and just craziness your way, we can actually turn our sails in such a direction as to go counter-culture, to go against those winds, to actually go against. And that's what we've got. That's what our world needs today is a counter-culture revolution. And so I just want you to, let's all stand. We're going to praise the Lord for who he is. He is the provider. If you are in lack, if you're in a place where you know, the bills are mounting up or the debts are mounting up and the, and the paycheck isn't there or the bonus didn't come through or the promotion you got skipped over or the, you didn't get land the job. We're not going to do generalities today. It's not just, Lord, I praise you. No, 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 no. We're going to praise him where it hurts today. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of like a trainer at a gym and, you know, we're not going to just work on your strength. We're going to work where it kind of hurts and we're going to stretch it a little bit. If, if you've gotten a bad medical report or someone you love has gotten a bad medical report, I want you to begin to praise him that he is the healer, that he is the great physician, 
that by his stripes we are healed no matter what we see in this life we are healed if if you've had a if you've suffered a broken relationship you know a, a child a friend a, a coworker a spouse whatever a, a parent I want you to begin to praise him that he promises that he places the lonely into families. He promises that he is our father. He promises that he is our brother, our mother, our sister, anything and everything we need, and that he is in control of all aspects of our life. And so whatever area, for whomever, whether it's yourself or someone else that you love or, or something else that's going on, just begin to praise him in that area, not for the problem, but because he is the solution. Whether we can see it yet or not, he is the solution. And so, Lord, I thank you this morning that you make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, you can make rivers in deserts. Lord, you can turn an ocean into a desert and let people walk across it. Lord, I thank you that every mountain that seems so high, it comes low. And every valley that feels like it's death, Lord, we say that you can bring it up high. Lord, you make our path straight. It may not always be a straight journey. Poor little Joseph had to go from the pit to the palace, to the prison, back to the palace. God, it may not always be a straight line. And we don't understand why, but we know you. We know you, God, and you are good all the time. You are good, and you are working it out for our good. And so, Lord, this morning, we praise you that you are trustworthy. We can trust you, God, when we can't trust man, when we can't trust our paycheck, when we can't trust the doctor's report. Lord, when we can't trust anything else, we can trust you. We can praise you because you are trustworthy and you are working on our behalf. You are holy. You are good. You are loving. You are kind. God, when others' words are unkind, Lord, you are kind and you love us. And so, Lord, I thank you and I praise you because you are praiseworthy. You are praiseworthy. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and all the glory in every area of our life, Lord. In every area of our life. And now, Lord, I ask that you would show us where we can do something good for someone else. Reveal that to us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.